uh, I think. How do we know we can go live? <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome. You guys are watching uh, an impromptu live stream. Oh, wait, hold on. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's going to be a lot of snafus, guys. We've had snafus today on Space, and this is the first time we've done a live show on my new deprogram channel. I'm here with Mystery Chris. If you're joining us, you must be a friend or family member because we didn't really tell a lot of people about this because we thought we might mess up. And we're actually using this as practice because this coming Wednesday, we're going to do Popped Culture live. Um, so far, we've only pre-recorded. We're going to do a live episode. And so we figured, why not test it out today with friends and family watching and see how to run the show on the back end. Usually, I have a Beverly. We have a Beverly to do this. Um, today, we have a Cole. So if you want to say hello to Cole, he's in the chat. And and Mystery Chris, we've got you. Welcome. Howdy, howdy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Let's do it. Did you have a uh, a chaotic day? I know you were working. Uh, it, it, it was lighter than normal. Usually, I'm putting in a lot of work. But uh, this this week's off to a good start. Knock on wood. Um, I'm not going to out you what you do or anything. But I will say this. I know this about you. And I don't think you would be. I don't think you would mind me mentioning this because this is happening at every workplace I know of. But you recently had to your your company has one of these diversity inclusion things, right? Yeah. So um, they've had some diversity trainings. And I know we have a, an implicit bias training coming up in a few weeks, which I'm curious if they're going to tell like me as a black man that I have implicit bias, or they're just going to say, for the white people, you all have implicit bias. Non-whites. That that would be interesting if they tell you you have it. I don't think they will. But I'm curious how they're going to navigate around that without like making it so obvious. Yeah, I think they're just going to straight up. You know what they might do? Hmm. I heard that this is a, another person's company we heard about. And also Casey Peterson, who came forward and talked about this um, in, uh, uh, was it Sandia Labs? They will sometimes separate people out by race. They've done this at colleges too. So it might be that they have a one workshop for the white people and one workshop for people of color. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Crow session, yeah. Okay. Right? Well, right? I'm curious if they're ever going to like ask me or any other black people to give our thoughts on this. And I'm just, I always think about, I kind of go through my head, like, what would I say if they, they asked me? And I'm to the point where, if they ask, I'm not going to volunteer, but if they ask me about implicit bias and all this stuff, I'm going to say, hey, this is making me uncomfortable because teaching white people this is going to get a lot of white people hurt and killed because <laughs> mm -hmm. we all have biases. We all have prejudices. And a lot of times those biases and prejudices keep us alive. And so when you're uh... telling white people that, you know, if, if they're in a situation and they feel uncomfortable and it's a black person there that that feelings becoming because of their racism that they have when in reality a lot of these people are going to have certain prejudices that are built on statistical facts and so 
I, as a black man, say if I'm going downtown someplace and I encounter a 18-year-old black kid who's got his pants, you know, hanging down, you know, his butt, and it's coming towards me and it's two o'clock in the morning, no one else is around, I'm going to say, maybe I should turn around or go to the other side of the street. <laughs> and this is no difference from what Jesse Jackson has said. But I know that that demographic is disproportionately represented in statistics or crime, that a lot of crime is committed by a very small portion of us Black people. It's not all Black people. If you if you say all Black people are responsible mm -hmm. for crime stuff, that would be obviously racist. But when a lot of people know this, a lot of people are going to make certain decisions because of that. So when you're telling people not to trust their own guts or, or what they know that's based on some reality mm -hmm. and to say that that's actually based on racist beliefs, well, a lot of people are not going to remove themselves from situations in which there could be a potential danger because of the demographic and because of the context in which it's yes. happening. And so a lot of white people are going to end up getting mugged um, killed, even sexually assaulted because of this. So have, did I ever tell you, here's a great anecdotal story to, <laughs> did I ever tell you, I, I know I've shared it on the air before, but the story about when I was in college and I was held up by this guy. Did I ever tell you that? I think you did, but tell it again. Okay. <laughs> it's so dumb, but it's a, it's an excellent illustration of what you're talking about. I was at Duke um, I had just gone through, I just started becoming sort of indoctrinated into social justice, although I didn't realize that's what it was happening. It's not like you go to a room and you, you get, it's, it's not like a cult where you get a pamphlet and then show up and you join in that way. It's more like, um, it's just more insidious. It's in everything. And you, in a lot of classes I was taking. So, um, it had infiltrated a lot of my classes and it had infiltrated a lot of, um, organizations I was interested in. So I was working for Amnesty International and we had a dismantling racism training and they sent me, I forget where it was. It might've been Louisiana, but they sent me to this training. And that was the first time I had encountered a lot of the social justice lingo that's become very common today. But this was back when this was probably, this was like 97, 96, I don't know. And so one of the things we learned at this dismantling racism training was the definition that like racism equals prejudice plus power, um, which I've talked about before why that's stupid. Um, and I think it's an attempt to uh, justify racism against a particular race. <laughs> but I learned that, I believed that, I started convincing myself this was true. And there were some other things that, you know, I learned about white privilege at that training. And anyway, I returned to college after that training and a friend and I were walking back from a restaurant one night and it was late at night. We were, and we were walking back to East campus and this uh, large guy, black guy was coming down the road towards us. And he said to us, Chris, he said from far away, he says, I'm going to fuck you up. Ah. And we were, I, we had been drinking a little, we, we were like, I heard what he said, but this internal SJW that had just been implanted in my head, this is the way I think of it now, started running through it. And it's like, uh, I heard what he said, but also if I turn around, is that my, is that, am I being prejudiced? Am I like, and so we kept walking towards him while I'm trying to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. A normal reaction, your gut reaction is like, 
get away from this guy. Duh, duh. But the, so I was short circuited almost by this new belief system that tells you that a white person that, you know, is this an inherent bias? Is this implicit bias? Like the stuff that you're going to be learning in your training. So we kept walking towards this guy and long story short, he approached us. He said he had a gun. He kept pointing to his, um, um, baggy sweatpants and he don't make me get out my gun, you know, and he wanted us to walk back to uh, the ATM with him. And he wanted us to uh, go to West campus because I told him I had a, he asked if I had a car. So no, I have a bicycle. So he wanted to go to West campus to get my bicycle. Anyway, we start walking with this guy and long story short, um, he said a lot of crazy stuff to me, but uh, at one point, I started talking about the social justice stuff I learned. (laughs) (laughs) Did it work? (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, he's like, uh, I know you, I knew, uh, he's like, I know you college kids, you all hate, you all hate black people. We're saying something like this. And I was like, no, I've learned about prejudice plus power. <laughs> Such a naive, like, <laughs> he asked me, he asked me, if you die tonight, do you think you'll go to heaven or hell? He asked me that. He also asked me, he also said at one point when I was talking to him, he's like, I like the way you look. And that was the first time I was like, oh man, like rape. Like I hadn't even thought about that. I was just thinking about being robbed or killed. But then, um, it was very, I mean, it was very scary. So long story short, once we got to the main road, he had told us, we saw these campus police driving by and he was like, don't you, don't you run? Like we were going towards the ATM and my friend, he just squeezes my hand and takes off running. And, and there was like, you know how time can freeze and slow down. And to my friends, like running across the street and I look up at this guy and I'm still walking with him <laughs> and then I'm like, ah. I'm sorry, it's not because you're black. <laughs> so bad and then i just so then i start running slow-mo the other way and then the campus police pull in and these all these other cops pull in and um they get him down on the ground and everything and he he did not have a gun first of all which i'm glad i'm glad i know a lot more about weapons now because i was naive um but he didn't have a gun and then um I don't tell the rest of the story. There was other stuff that happened that was scary. But the point of that being they're trying to program social justice programs, people. And one of the things that programs white people with is this idea that, like you mentioned, any, uh, you know, normal response that you get, a physiological response, like your gut is telling you something. It doesn't mean your gut is right, but you should listen to why that's happening and what what social justice does is try to program you to ignore that and to say there's something wrong and immoral with that and um, that it must be because of race when it's like, maybe it's because it's two in the morning and this is a large man who says he's gonna F you up. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So Isn't it also like grooming? It's just, it is it's, like, it's yeah. It creeps me out though. Explain that, because I think I know what you mean, but. Well, it grew me a sense of they're they're trying to break people down and then build them, shape them and mold them into what they want to be. And so something that's a person that's much more malleable and easier to control, ultimately, that's what it just it feels like trying to convince people like, oh, you're racist. You may think you're not racist, but you are. And I'm going to tell you why. And the person's like, oh, well, I, I guess I guess I am racist. 
Yeah. And then they're just easier to manipulate from that point. They're on. easier. Totally. It's about manipulating people and controlling them. It is. Mm -hmm. It's because you're right. It's an authoritarian belief system. It's like, it's about, it's like, it is like grooming in that it's about wanting to control people. And it's almost like James Lindsay says, I like the way lately he's been saying that, you know, CRT is just calling something racist until you get control over it. Mm -hmm. And that made a lot of sense to me. I think that's a good way of describing it. And, uh, and speaking of um, James Lindsay, he did a um, video on my alma mater, uh, University of Texas, and he spoke about a particular uh, kind of diversity, inclusion, equity initiative thing. And he said that if this wasn't stopped, that he predicted UT was going to become like Evergreen. And uh, someone shared it on one of the UT message boards and uh, I was kind of shocked at how many people attacked the poster who posted this and they're like oh that's just right-wing propaganda that's just Tucker Carlson nonsense <sighs> stuff and so it, it, it became clear to me that as the back and forth was going on that for certain people yeah you could tell them that CRT is borrowing from the Marxist framework but just replacing it with race and power and all that but for a lot of people that's not going to be enough to sway them because they think that the core thing that it's based on, that systemic racism is the sole cause for disparities between blacks and whites is true. Yes. Therefore, if, if you don't actually address that point, then you're going to some people, you're going to come off across as someone who is denying that racism has been the sole factor to cause so many blacks to not rise up to where whites are, which I'm not sure why whites are using themselves as the benchmark to measure black people by, but yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, when I try to talk to people, which isn't very often, but I have parents, you know, who watch MSNBC and just mm -hmm. believe in the same stuff that I was just talking about. They just think, Oh, it's just a bunch of Republicans that don't want to talk about race, even though race is already they already talk about racist slavery and Jim Crow and stuff, but I, I try to explain to them about the issue, like I was saying about with systemic racism, that yeah, mm -hmm. it has played a part in our story, the black people's story here in America, but it's not the sole factor that has ended up determining the outcomes of many blacks and that concentrating on it gets away from judging blacks as individuals and understanding that a lot of decisions have affected their own lives or particularly the lives of their children. And that's one of the things that frustrates me. One of the things I almost wanna say during these diversity trainings is that a lot of parents are just garbage parents in the black community. And I hate that term black community, but these inner city black communities, a lot of parents mm -hmm. who have little investment in their children that are making complete selfish decisions that did not take the precaution needed when it came to conceiving the child, continue to have children that they cannot afford, that are not saving up money to send this child to college or to move them out of the ghetto. They're Do you spending think, that money on themselves. Can I ask you a question? Do you think, because obviously garbage parenting is not limited to any particular race, mm -hmm. um, do you think that there that there is an element of systemic racism, though, involved in in the fact that you culturally you are seeing some garbage parenting in the quote unquote black community? Is there systemic racism at play in in that at all? Because I have some ideas about that. I'm wondering what you think. Well, I think blacks are kind of used as a test case, and what's happening yes. to a lot of blacks is 
now spreading to other whites because you know i'm sure you've heard the statistics how uh blacks went from 22 percent out of wedlock births in 1960 to 75 76% today that is true we went from lower you know the lowest or not lowest but the a lower out of wedlock birth rate than whites in the 1960s to the highest one of any race but what also doesn't get talked about uh, is how whites went from, I believe it was 25% in 1960 to now, I think it's around 50% or so. I have to double check yeah. the stats, but I, I think it's around that. And so you're still seeing a lot of these things affect other races, including whites, but it, it's affected blacks the most. And I, I think um, a lot of, a lot of evil people have kind of tested things out on, you know, blacks and seen how that, that's destructive. Uh, it's, uh, how much destructive uh, these forces have caused um, blacks and how much it's hurt us. And uh, I think you're starting to see it spread out to other, other races. You are, I think you're right. I think they're the element of systemic racism that I see in it is that like you said, that's a good way of phrasing it. They black people have been used as a test case for how to demoralize people and steer them culturally towards things that destroy the family and destroy all the foundational things that would provide for healthier kids who make healthier decisions. And, and you're right. It's not, it's not, it's not limited to black families, but it was easy for them to start there because, because of our racist past, I think you've got a, you've got people, you've got, it was easier to say um, here at the government to be like, we're going to give you these things to help you that actually even if you believe the intent was good, um, it could, it's these programs, a lot of these programs have incentivized things that end up destroying the family. Yeah. Am I articulating myself? Well, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so, okay. I have some more questions about this, but <laughs> black this questions. is, give me all your black. Ah, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> I want to do some housekeeping because we didn't even do it up front. Cause we were like, Oh, is this even working? <laughs> you guys, we thought we were alive before we were alive. It, there is funny. So we don't have super chats yet because this is a new channel and we have to get a certain number of watch hours. I forget what it is before we can enable monetization and then be demonetized but we do have a subscribe star if you want to support the channel financially cole will put that in the chat and we set a monthly goal of five dollars and i i just want you to know we met that goal so we can celebrate now <laughs> five dollars for the month we did it Woohoo! um <laughs> because we don't have super chats i'm just going to read a couple of things that were coming in while we were talking there were some funny ones um, what happened to today's and say says, Oh yeah. People address that. We had, we had a staff beforehand. Uh, something came up. Uh, we are trying this out so that we don't mess up on Wednesday night. And I feel more confident about that now we have. So Wednesday, Wednesday night, we're doing our first live pop culture, uh, Chris and I, and do you want to tell people a little about what pop culture is about? The, the Wednesday night one's going to be live. We don't have to tell them what we're doing. Just tell them overall, like what the show is. Yeah. So pop culture is where we're going to examine a lot of events, shows, movies, art that have had um, significant impact on the broader culture or have kind of um, represented things that were happening within that culture. And so um, it'll be things that not only happen today, but things that are happening in the past and 
I think there are a lot of things we can learn, but we also want to have some fun with it too. And because so much in the news is just so heavy and it's just kind of dark and this is kind of depressing. So we kind of want to have some fun and we'll, we'll talk a little bit, of course, about, you know, woke stuff, but, you know, we also want to talk about other things and kind of give people you know, a little bit of a break. I like that, that stuff. about it is that you have thought about things that you really enjoy and you're always telling me about funny things and even esoteric things that I haven't heard of before. If you guys haven't seen the first episode, Chris showed me the worst sitcom, <laughs> possibly the most triggering sitcom ever made. You, you wouldn't even believe this thing. So that episode's already out. If you haven't seen it, um, here's an interesting one. Murder Nets. Hello, Murder Nets. She says women have admitted to purposefully going out at night during the time of serial killers in the 70s and 80s because they didn't want to seem sexist. What does that make you think of? That that makes me think of the women who are going backpacking in in a lot of Islamic countries. Oh, right, right. And, and to, couples too, yeah, when they're like, we don't believe in evil, and then they end up getting murdered, sadly. But. Yeah. Um, StubHub, Stub Blue, Stub Blue says... Is Mystery Chris going to be revealed? I don't know. It remains to be seen. My, <laughs> I've been. You should listen to your gut, and my gut tells me you will be revealed. But I've, I could be wrong. <laughs> I just think it'd be really funny if, when we reveal you, we just keep cutting to people who aren't actually you, and just it's just one giant Rick roll where you never actually. <laughs> you have to wait till the very end. <laughs> <laughs> to see who you really are. <laughs> just going to put on white makeup. I'll put on white face. We should reveal you and yeah, then you just wear a mask. <laughs> um, somebody says, good heavens, that's a chilling red pill story, Carrie. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then Pirate Tom, he says, and the guy, he's talking about my story, he says, and the guy was like, whoa, this chick is crazy. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like, I pictured like someone else, like some other like SJW who was in that situation how they were like i'm not racist i i have a tattoo of harriet tubman and martin luther king yeah. and malcolm x and they just start showing all these tattoos of black people uh that could be a funny sketch it actually <laughs> you know things that are traumatic when you go through them yeah it, humor is humor is a great way of dealing with traumatic things and looking back and seeing because i think there's always something funny absurdly funny to be found and so that's definitely, you could do a whole sketch where the recently, in, uh, the, the recently, uh, uh, what's the word, converted social justice warriors, like trying to prove how not racist they are while they're being held at gunpoint. <laughs> like, uh, Teresa's, Chris, my husband went to UT Austin. He's so disgusted with how it is now. Yeah. Oh yeah, so did William. I went to UT Austin, class of 88. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten, gotten bad. Uh, and then somebody else says public assistance. 16 bit mascot says public assistance. Oh, little ragamuffin says public assistance, systemic racism. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. I think, I think we got through those. Just a couple things I wanted to mention. So, because we didn't do the housekeeping at the top, you were watching a test live show on the New D program channel with Carrie Smith and Mystery Chris. You uh, are probably a friend or family member. If you're here, welcome. And we have uh, on Wednesday, we're going to be doing our, our first live episode of Pop Culture, and we'll be announcing what time that is. I'm not yet sure. Uh, on Thursday, we're going to be releasing a deprogrammed interview with Christian Toto. 
who has a new book out about woke Hollywood. And, and then on Friday on, on the Unsafe Space channel, we're going to be joined by Sarah Higdon, who you may have seen in uh, a recent deprogrammed interview. So those are things that are coming up. And then if you didn't see it, I forgot to even talk about these things before, but I was on this past week, I was on, I did two shows. I was on, you are here on blaze TV. And then I was on this show called conspiracy castle, <laughs> which I know that you saw. Yes. And I just, I just wanted to mention that because it's so funny. I, someone, a, a friend said, do you want to do this show? And I said, sure. I, I didn't have time to look it up. And then I got on there. I thought conspiracy castle. That sounds interesting. And I get on there and guess who the host is. Well, you know, but those of you in chat may not know the host. It took me a second. I recognized him. He's the guy that did the vaccine rap at the city council. <laughs> like totally punk. He's sort of a comedian, but more like an Andy Kaufman style comedian. And anyway, on that episode, uh, he was talking about a lot of different, like running through a lot of different conspiracy theories. But the most interesting one to me was the JFK one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was into a lot of it, and you you were very uh, open to it. And I thought that was, was kind was of I? <laughs> you were open to listening. You're like, uh, I don't know about that. I'm leaving. <laughs> but yeah, well, because he had some very out there. He was sort of yeah. It was it, he had some very out there to me that seemed out there mm -hmm. conspiracies. But yeah, that was an interesting I, show. I, I like conspiracies, but I I kind of make. I draw a line between ones that I think are kind of just not true and I, but I entertain them because I just find them entertaining. And then ones I think are definitely true. Ones I looked up and researched a lot like CIA shipping in drugs. Eh, that's true. But other stuff I'm like, eh, so I, I listen. You to think you mean, what do you mean CIA shipping in drugs? You know, this CIA ships and drugs. There have been a, n a number of planes, this CIA and DEA, planes in the past 25 years that have crashed in South or Central America. There are CIA planes or DEA planes. They're carrying tons of cocaine. And each time the government would say, oh, well, we're allowing that drug, those drugs to be trafficked in because we're trying to trace where they're coming from it's the same thing with the uh, what was the gun running operation um fast and furious mm -hmm. same thing we're allowing guns to be sold to uh cartel members to try to track them quote unquote. <laughs> yeah i'm sure but yeah there's that um of course there was gary webb uh i believe is the la times reporter who uh did a lot of work in covering um drugs being shipped into the united states and he made friends with uh rick ross not the rapper but the drug dealer <laughs> And Gary Webb was later found, apparently somehow shot himself twice in the head. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, th yeah. Those things is kind of like, uh, Anthony, my husband just watched a JFK documentary and he was telling me, I've heard a lot of the JFK stuff before, but I haven't read or watched anything recently. And he was just reminding me about all the wacky bullet hole evidence like that, that just doesn't, that you're supposed to believe yeah. that doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of stuff is put out there to like confuse people to try to keep people from trying to understand what is actually true. So they just want to kind of like make everything seem crazy. Because yes. I've seen like people, news reporters who will mix in like real conspiracies 
the fake ones. So they'll say something like what I just said about CIA and they'll go, well, the same people believe that, you know, yes. land on, on the moon or that, you know, uh, invisible planes or hit the, the trade center tower. It's just some like crazy stuff. They just make up. It's the same thing they do with the, the, uh, the event that happened a year ago that some of us think some shenanigans were involved in that you can't talk about, but they, they mix in crazy stuff. Go, oh, people who think that there are shenanigans involved with the election also believe in this crazy stuff. And you so just got us. We're, we're going to be banned now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the cartoon uh, election where the penguin right. was running against Batman for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. So. Speaking of which, somebody said you could be Batman. Probably no. <laughs> I'm Batman. Um, so I do have a couple of things I wanted, topics that we thought we might talk about today. And this is one that came from Amy. Uh, I don't know if you saw this yet, Chris. No. Can you, can you put this up on the screen, Cole? This is the first link. And this is something the CDC just did. Um, while he's bringing it up, I'm going to tell you. Anybody who doesn't know, Mystery Chris is an alias, and I have to continually remind myself not to call you the name I usually call you by. <laughs> I think I'm doing it. Miguel, right. I'm doing a pretty good job. <laughs> okay, let's uh, scroll up to the top so I can read the headline on this. So this just happened. Uh Child the headline here is Child Development Milestone Checklist Updated by the CDC and the AAP. And then scroll down and we're going to read what the media is saying about it. And then we can read something else that kind of gives you a, one person's perspective. So it says, screen your young child early and often for developmental delays. That's the message behind updated checklists from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the American Academy of Pediatrics. The checklist revised for the first time since their release in 2004 outlined developmental milestones for infants and young children to help identify delays earlier and are part of regular checkups by pediatricians. So it goes on to talk about some of the changes they made and they do this interesting thing here where they say the checklist previously used 50th percentile milestones meaning only half of children were expected to achieve the milestone at a given age. The updated checklist asks about milestones 75% or more of children can be expected to, to achieve by a certain age. I think there's a reason they're putting that in there. I think there's a reason they're, when they release these new updated milestones for kids for development, early development, I think they purposefully put out these talking points that, hey, we're changing the percentile at which a child should reach these things so they can uh, uh, obscure the fact that what they're doing is pushing back these developmental milestones for children. Um, Cole, can you show, can we go to the slides now? Because I want to, I want to show you some of these differences. What they're doing is I think, and I think others probably think, I don't know if this has come to your mind yet or not, Chris, but trying to hide, um, you know, the effect of all these masks and lockdowns. Yes. Is that where your head yeah. went? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot of us have been saying that obviously children rely on 
being able to see faces and interpret emotion and to help them better understand and to develop and to learn language skills. And if we are masking children, who knows the effect it's going to have wearing masks for this long um, and seeing adults, you know, covering their face for this long. And so instead of addressing that, instead of being honest and coming out and saying, hey, guess what, guys? Mask had an imp a negative impact on the early development of children. Instead of doing that, they're pushing back the milestones and pretending like it's normal for kids to develop later than what we've always expected. So here, here are the slides. And this is something that was put together by someone who works in early childhood education. Um, what the CDC now says about speech language milestones and why parents should be concerned. And if you, if you want to follow this person, they go by real, uh, real say play, I think. I'm trying to read that's pretty small. Okay, so truthfully, these new milestones will likely result in a decrease of early identification. Let's break them down. 12 months. The CDC is now saying that at 12 months, so at one year, a child should understand no. Okay, do you want to read? Can you, can you see that? Or is it too small? Chris, can you want to read what, what it used to say? Uh, so actually a child should be able to identify common objects when labeled, follow simple routine-based one-step directions, identify two body parts on self. Okay, so that's a lot that we used to ex expect that children could do by the, by the age of 12 months. Now it's just, just no, the word no. Okay, 15 months, the CDC is now saying that a child should be able to look at familiar objects when named and point to ask for help. Do you want to read what they used to? Yeah, actually a child should be able to say or imitate eight to 10 words spontaneously, point to common action words and pictures, identify three body parts on a doll, understand some prepositions, uh, e.g. on, in, etc. Cool, okay, let's go to the next one. By the way, Jean Ellis in chat says, at four months, a child should understand no. <laughs> uh, okay, 18 months. The CDC is now saying that a child should be should should try, at 18 months, a child should try to say three words besides mama and dada and should follow one-step directions independently. Actually, a child should be able to say at least 15 words really want 30 or more to be solid. Show emergence of word combinations. Complete two requests with the same object. Follow two step related directions. Yeah, not instead of just one step. Okay, and then at two years, the CDC says a child now should be, uh, be able to point to two body parts at two years and that they should be able to uh, blow a kiss and nod yes. Actually, a child should be able to say at least 50 words, really wow. want more than that to be solid. Say two word phrases frequently. Say personal pronouns. I, me, oh, whoa, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> what about Z? By the way, hey, hey, that's a great point because these are the same people that, that they're now saying at two years old, your child should just be able to blow a kiss. And point to body part, but also know if they were born in the wrong sex body. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. those two things are not compatible. How's your <laughs> child so slow that they can't say any words and they can only point to body parts and 
and blow a kiss and that's all that can be expected of them. But also you should totally believe them and they know what they're talking about if they say that they're they're born in the wrong body. Yeah, it all so it all makes sense, you know. You just gotta <laughs> think about it forever. Uh two and a half years. The CDC says uh that your child should be able to say fifty words and say I, me, we. Actually, a child should be able to say hundreds of words, use three or and four word phrases, understand size concepts, understand one, meaning give me one car. Okay, and then let's go to the last. I think it's the last one. It might be. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so then this person says, CDC, you have not supported speech language pathologists, parents, or pediatricians in the process of early identification. In fact, you have made my job harder. Um, I just think this is chilling. I think yeah. they are they are so dedicated to a narrative, and they're they're pathological. They are they are psychopathic. They will not admit mistakes. And in, instead of admitting, hey, maybe this was a bad idea to put masks on kids, and here are some of the effects that we might be seeing as a result of this with this youngest generation, instead of doing that, now they're just changing the metrics. Okay, but this does, is what it, we expect. Doesn't this just remind you what we were talking about earlier with blacks and how governments and other groups have wanted to lower the standards, educational standards, professional standards, behavioral yeah. standards to kind of cover up from the damage that's been done by programs like welfare and other things. And so they're, they're not uh, acknowledging that damage that government programs have had on blacks and other groups to, for, you know, in educational stuff, just like they're not acknowledging these government, you know, edicts that were forced on to many people and the damage that's done to kids. They just keep lowering standards to cover up for their own garbage. Yeah. How dare stuff. they admit fault or admit responsibility, mm -hmm. you know? Um, Therese, in, yeah, she says in, in chat, she says, I could read at three, but kids now are good at reading their high school diploma. <laughs> their kids getting their high school diploma who, do, who, who cannot read, I, who, who don't have a good grasp of the English language, who can't write essays. Um, I think the standards, they've just kept falling and we keep lowering them. And now we're at this place where social justice is saying that all meritocracy is somehow racist or oppression. And so we have to get rid of grading. We have to get rid of all standards whatsoever. Let's get rid of the SAT. You know, it's um, the soft bigotry of low expectations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So was there anything else you want to talk about today? Because I have a couple of other things. That just really kind of burns my biscuit. So... <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, years ago, uh, I volunteered for a place that uh, sent books to um, people that were in jail, like people would request certain books to be sent to them, and this group would help send it to them. And uh, it was kind of sad because as I was reading a lot of the letters from the inmates, a lot of them could barely write. They were you know, pretty much illiterate. And a lot of times they would just ask for a dictionary just so they can learn words. And it, it, it was an interesting feeling because I don't know why the people I was reading letters from, I don't know why they were in jail. They could have been done some horrendous things. I have no idea. All I see from them is this note, this letter they sent. And I yeah. just felt a massive amount of sympathy for these people just thinking like, what went wrong? It's like, yeah. where, where did these parents and the larger society fail these people that just had an influence on them making some bad decisions so it's just it's yeah. sad it's just so sad do you think 
you're just making me think of a conversation I had um, a while back uh, with a friend. Do you think that if you were ever in prison, like let's say you were in prison for life, do you think you could have a full, you could still have joy and have a full life? I don't think I would be able to, to do that. That's why I'm always um, amazed at stories of people who, 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 were, do. who still actually managed to turn their lives around, even though they're there for the rest of their lives. A lot of them who either find religion or just, you know, find something else to, to really kind of help themselves get out of the, the mindset and kind of overcome a lot of the more evil aspects of their, their nature. And I, First of all, if I'm in jail, it's not because of anything I've done. I just, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. So I'm coming from that perspective. Like I'm, I'm wrongly imprisoned for something. So I, I would be very bitter. I would be very hard for me to kind of get over um, being wrongly imprisoned for something. I think it's fascinating that people are able to do so, though. Yeah. And I would hope I would be able to do so. I've I saw a story of a guy it was on some tr true crime show I was watching the other day who was falsely imprisoned here in Texas up in Waco, I think. And I think he spent 30 years behind bar. He spent a long time behind bars. John Grisham dedicated a book to him. Maybe somebody in the chat knows who this is. It's, I know uh, uh, uh is here. Maybe, maybe somebody knows, but anyway, there's this, this true crime story of this guy and I, they interviewed him when he was finally released and this guy never lost his joy, his wonder at the world, his gratitude. He never, he could have gotten a reduced sentence. He could have gotten paroled early if he had just admitted to the crime, but he didn't do it. And so he didn't, he would not admit to something he didn't do. And he stayed in jail longer because of that. And I just was curious what you were thinking about that. Cause I was talking with a friend and they were like, no, I don't think, you know, I don't think I'd be able to have joy. And, but I think that's the natural gut reaction, but I think actually you could because it's just a, I mean, look at, um, I know everybody's uh, kind of been thinking about or talking about Alexander Solzhenitsyn a lot in the past yeah. couple of years since Jordan Peterson had, had started mentioning him and um, look at what he did in a, in a prison camp. You know, there are all these stories of people that were thrown into gulags who a lot of them atheists and communists who found God, in the gulag um so well, this might sound weird but you know sometimes i i there's almost a part of me that almost kind of fantasizes about being cut off from so much of what we have access to so i'll be able to just focus on one thing because there's so much distractions with technology and everything going on and the news and other stuff and so the part of me is just like It'd almost be kind of nice to be removed from all that and only have one thing that I can concentrate on, whether it be simply just like my art, just drawing stuff or or just yeah. reading books and just learning things. I don't know. Um, in the chat, Cole, our editor, says, check out the West Memphis Three, three teenagers convicted for life for a murder they did not commit. Cole, this, oh, is, yeah. this is something you don't know about me, Cole, but I actually used to write back and forth with Damien Eccles of the West Memphis Three because I worked for Margaret Cho at the time, worked with Margaret Cho, and um, she like a, she had started writing to him and believed in his innocence. And so I actually, he wrote 
his whole first book, which was called Almost Home, he wrote that by hand and sent all the pages to me. And then I transcribed that book for him. Okay. Um, and then we self-published it. That was before he got out of prison. And we self-published it for him. And actually, I was so bad at it that I remember in the comments, somebody was like, whoever transcribed this repeatedly called his friend Brian Brain. <laughs> <laughs> Fire that person. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to be fair, anyway, we were watching a lot of Pinky in the Brain at the time. Kind of easy slip. Yeah. Up, you know. Easy slip up. He made me uh, this really beautiful art piece. I'll I'll show it sometime. Okay, we're in between two houses, so I don't have it here. But but yes, I'm very familiar with the the West Memphis Three. Um, okay. Well, I had something else I wanted to talk about. And Cole, can you put this? I think it's that first Twitter link up on the screen. You guys, while he's pulling it up, I'm also going to say I love the fact that Cole kind of does is not on social media. And really, you're not either, Mystery Chris. You both are kind of like, eh, F the social media. So, but you're going to be getting handles and stuff. And yes. we have to think of a nickname for Cole. And he his sister wanted him to be called Troll Cole, which we don't think that's good. <laughs> so if you can think of a good nickname, <laughs> go like ahead that. and let him know in the chat what he should be called. Uh, slow your roll, Cole. I don't know. Okay, so this is, I, this is a video of, if you're just listening, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to describe it to you. But this is a video of Kamala Harris. And it's a tweet where somebody says, the Veep thinks that there hasn't been a war in Europe in 70 years. Stunning ignorance. <laughs> I suppose she thinks the Yugoslav wars were just a series of Sunday school picnics. Um, I actually, you might have comments about that and I'll, I'll let you address that if you want. But I actually just wanted, I didn't, I, I don't want to hear the sound. Can you hit play again, Cole? I just want people to look at her. While she's talking with the sound off, this is, this is actually, I just, I think we, it's important not to get desensitized to all the craziness happening and to look at stuff like this for how absurd it is. This is the vice president of the United States talking to us with like a sadomasochist mask on. She looks like a villain in some kind of sci-fi movie. Does she not? It's this, yeah. it's this <laughs> crazy. Like Bane or something. Yes, yes. like Bane. <laughs> I just thought. Yes. It's it's there's something there's something deeply disturbing about this. I didn't even listen to the audio because it just bothered me that we're so used to we were coming used to seeing stuff like this now. This isn't normal. There's no reason for her to be wearing that. And she's normalizing it. Every person that's doing this out in public is normalizing this yep. in the minds of children. Forget about the developmental problems of them not being able to read lips and and see expressions, but what about the impact of just thinking that as a child, thinking that this is normal, that this yeah. is what humans do? That's what makes me sad. Not just the mass, all the censorship and everything, how that, that all seems normal. This is all stuff that just happened in the last few years. And it's just, I think there are generations of people who grown up with this and they think that is normal, that this is, it's always been like this. Yeah. Yeah, Teresa says, I am repulsed by anyone wearing a mask by now. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to feel that way too, especially adults. Like, I'm not talking about elderly, but adults and when they're outside and when they're in their car, like those things are just so bizarre. And this, 
She's not standing close to anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no reason to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just found that. I just found that to be gross. Did you want to address anything about the, how there's been no wars in Europe? No. <laughs> or, <laughs> well, I think you are that. Yeah, of course. He's, I, I guess you, you know, sometimes I wonder like, are, are they really as dumb as they portray themselves to be? Cause I'm like, it, it's easy to kind of get caught up with, you know, thinking that they're very Machiavellian and mm -hmm. certainly maybe there's a side of that, but they're also very incompetent. And I think you've seen with the way the COVID restrictions and everything have rolled out, just the amount of competence that occurred during these rollouts, the amount of contradictions that the propaganda was so easy to see through if you weren't just a complete ideologue or partisan, that is just very obvious. And, you know, something like with Fauci, when Fauci came out and initially said you didn't need masks, but then also you do need masks. I mean, just simple stuff like that to me, just it, it, it kind of shows me that a lot of these, for lack of a better term, elites are just not, they're not as bright as they think they are. And they're not maybe as Machiavellian as many of mm -hmm. us might think they are. Unfortunately, a lot of people are, are still stupid. <laughs> and so yeah. a lot of that, you know, kind of gets through. And, and kind of like what I was saying earlier too, it's not even so much a stupid stuff. Like I said, it's just a lot of people who are just so possessed by their mm -hmm. ideology and, and their, their loyalty to the political party. I have, family members like that that are not dumb they're not dumb at all they're much smarter than me i have other friends super smart people but they're just they're so they bought in like you once said carrie you had a great uh line we said uh people are they have so much hate i think you were talking about maybe about trump but people have so much hate for him that they just become dumb mm -hmm. and i've seen this repeatedly where so many people they're just they're they, they they hate people more than they love their own side and it's just completely blinded them to reality and what i've been trying to point out to family members how you know uh democrats and i'm listen, i'm not defending you know republicans there's still a lot of garbage they do but democrats are doing the same things they have accused republicans and trump of doing and i try to point this out but it never gets through to them because they hate the opposition being the republican party and trump so much that it just it blinds them it, they've they've lost it they, they've they've lost the the idea of what they were fighting for to begin with and they just define yeah. themselves really by by what they hate not by what they love yeah cole you can take that off the screen now yeah gross <laughs> I'm tired of watching her <laughs> thank you yeah. yeah i Hillary don't have the to worst cackling her or hillary oh my goodness uh this is gonna be a hard decision i think it's <laughs> i think it's actually her do you yeah. what do you think i think she's I, worse I, than I her agree. Hers comes off even more like fake. Yes. Hillary, I think, comes off more crazy. You know, Kamala's just more fake and sociopathic. Like, yes. It's just amazing that people can't. She's a sociopath just by listening to her. Yes. I think a lot of these, uh, I was saying to someone recently, I probably said it on, on camera before too, but I used to think it was maybe a small minority of people in politics who were sociopathic, but in the past year or two, I've had a lot of experiences, both personal and watching what's unfolding in the world at large, that have made me realize that maybe, maybe the majority of politicians are sociopathic. <laughs> well, yes, the, the, that sociopath slash narcissism where people are, are used to ignoring other people and only concentrating on themselves that are drawn to it. Because that's the thing we also forget about, you know, power. We talk about power corrupting, but it also draws people who 
are already corrupted and evil. And so that's what happens over time yes. where it's just all these sociopathic people just start getting positions of power and then they start putting in other people in positions that can protect them or help them in some way. Some of these people are sociopathic or psychopathic. Some of these people are just kind of, maybe they have some blackmail on them, which is another thing I think we don't talk about enough. It's just how many, you know, people are blackmailed in, in yes. the government. So. Yes. And I have now, because of things that have happened in the past year or so, I've gotten a better understanding on how that works too. Um, you know, I was naive. I've mentioned this on Safe Space before. I was naive. It was Carter who helped me understand a little better about how it's not, <laughs> I know it sounds stupid now, but I thought it was sort of, well, the best way to rise in the world is to be a good person and to have a good reputation and to treat people well. And that's not what happens in a hierarchy that's built around power. And he's the one that helped me see, uh, no, it's in a hierarchy built around power. It's the people who have dirt on you that they want, they will help you rise because they know they can control you. Yeah. And that just blew my mind. Yeah. Um, Peter Lem says, woohoo, live stream, cackle free. Yeah, no cackles. <laughs> I think that's the most, the one of the biggest tells about sociopaths uh, mm -hmm. is that is the fake, the fake, emotions the fake emotional range the fake fake tears or fake crying or sorry that's the same thing fake crying or fake laughter yeah. those two things are really hard to do if you're a good actor like jesse smollett you can pull it off but a lot of these people like kamala's laugh is not convincing that's and that's what's so amazing too because yeah like you said she's not convincing at all but yet she's managed to i mean i know there's not a lot of people who support her and like we're talking about she's in place in that position, but still you would think she'd have like no support at all <laughs> given how clearly deranged she is. Yeah. Like, did you ever see that video of her talking to his kids? Like there's a group of kids who's talking oh. about, my, I forget she's talking about, maybe yeah. like they're talking about NASA or something. And she came off as like an alien who was like trying to like pass themselves off as human, but just couldn't do it. And it was so blatantly like obvious, like how fake she was. And it's just, it was really creepy. It is super creepy. It's um, it's almost like they go to a mirror. What was that movie where this person's practicing in a mirror? Was that an American Psycho, or was he just talking about his mask in the mirror? But I I can totally see some of these people practicing. You know, <laughs> um, there's a show I watch. It's uh, the Behavior Panel. Oh, I love those guys. They're behavior experts, and one of them was talking about how. A sociopath is sort of someone who, what's the story he told? He's like, it's someone who is maybe living in a city because they like to be around people and they like to be in the mix and this gives them a thrill. And they're the type of person who might be on their way to a Chinese restaurant and walk by a car accident and see a mom crying over her child. And as they're walking by, they'll be studying the faces of everyone and how they're reacting. And then they'll think, you know, I think I'll have chicken chow mein and just like keep going <laughs> and then go to the restaurant and get their food and then come back and still see people there and, and observe them and then get home and go to the mirror and practice those faces. And when he said that, I was like, oh, like, you know, goosebumps, shivers all over your body. Like, oh, it's, it's like an alien, right? Like, oh, I just got shivers again thinking about it. <laughs> I will be human. 
<laughs> yeah, this like V. Humans talk. Yes. Oh, oh, so this is your specialty, and I know this is not officially a pop culture episode. We're doing that on Wednesday. This is just a practice. But uh, what did you ever see V? Uh, yeah, the old uh, series. Uh, I guess they did twice. One in the eighties, and they brought it up in two thousands. But yeah, I saw a did little you, bit of it. Did you like that show? Uh, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. I think yeah. I, I kind of want to rewatch it now, the original. Yeah. Because a lot of those, there's so many series and so many movies that I think will have take on new meaning and that you could learn new things from them now that we've seen the events of the past two years unfold. And that's one of them that I think might be yes. very And And that's revealing. why I want to, yeah, definitely for pop culture, I want to examine a lot of those things from the past and see how... Uh, how things have changed and how perceptions on those things have changed, how the narrative that they were incorporating in the story, uh, how does that compare to narratives that they're incorporating stories today? Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I'm going to revisit. Somebody in the chat says, that sounds like Elizabeth Holmes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> v yeah. was fantastic. The final battle. Yeah. And then, oh, here it is. Steven. Steven says that was Joker and American Psycho, Carrie. Okay. Yeah. I need to rewatch Joker too. That was great. Um, so there's really just one more thing I wanted to cover. And then if there's anything you want to talk about, otherwise we can say, yay, we had a successful test. <laughs> All right, Cole, can you bring up this last thread that I sent you? I know a lot of people who are moving out of the places that are not as free we talk about this quite a bit and I know there's people in our community and people who are watching who are considering a move. And I was just talking with someone today about a move, two people actually about a move to Texas. And I highly encourage it. If you are in a place that still has restrictions on your freedom, if you're in a place like California or New York or Canada, I don't know if it's going to get better anytime soon. And we do welcome you in the free states because we need help. We are being overrun. There's a wokester running in Dripping Springs, Texas here. Like they are trying to turn this state and we need help. So I encourage people who are considering moving to a free state to think about Texas. So here's a thread I saw. Uh, can you make that just a little bit bigger, Cole? If you don't know how, that's okay. We don't have to do it now, but this is a thread that I just thought was kind of touching. And, and this person says a message I never thought would have to be shared after a lifetime in Canada in two weeks, we leave to start a new life in Arizona. Why we are leaving thread. Okay. Scroll down. I'll just read it from here, but you can leave it on the screen. Um, hmm. Sorry. I can't see that. It's too small. You guys, boomer moment. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Number one. And this person on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, you can follow them at D Real Life. It's D-E-E -E, Real Life. So they say, number one, our kids, none of what is happening in Canada is normal. They are only kids for a short time. And they have had two years of childhood robbed from them for something they had zero risk from. They will know what freedom looks like away from indoctrinated ideologies. This makes me think of a friend, some friends that we have here in Texas, 
who moved out of Austin to a smaller place. And they were telling my husband and I that they weren't sure about the move, like going somewhere more remote until this happened until the, all the restrictions happened. And even though Texas is relatively free compared, compared to a place like uh, Canada, it wasn't free for people in Austin. <laughs> They've enforced these mask mandates. They enforced um, them in schools. It's been just as woke and just as crazy as a place like Los Angeles. And so my friend said, you know, it was great that I had our kids have a backyard and we get to live a free life. And so I completely understand what this Canadian is saying about the children. Number two, second reason they're moving government. COVID-19 has been the smokescreen for a coordinated attack on our rights and freedoms. We are educated, hardworking, honest people who are done working more than 50% of the year just to fund a government intent on crushing you. Escalated to now freezing bank accounts with no charge. While many will call me a sellout, a traitor, etc. for leaving, we fought and will continue to fight. We attended countless rallies, even speaking at several we donated thousands of dollars, hundreds of hours to pro-freedom causes, multiple calls with MPs, MLAs, school boards. My amazing wife was even a founding member of a grassroots effort started by several moms to stand up for every family's right to choose whether and when to vaccinate their children for C-19 without discrimination. This org grew to 25,000 members and has moved mountains in its impact. While we know the US is not perfect, in Arizona, it's free, no mask mandates, no vaccine passports, and no C-19 gaslighting every minute. We have been several times recently, and C-19 does not exist there like in Canada. It's the normal that kids deserve. We will eventually win in Canada. It will take time, and we will continue to do all we can to support and heal. In the near term, we have to do right by our children and their future. God bless. Love all of you patriots. I just thought that was such a moving thread and I wanted to read that. Do you have friends who are talking about moving here? Uh, not particularly. I'm trying to think anyone. If I have had friends that moved away and I do have some friends that live in California. One of them is a writer and he talks about how woke stuff has gotten. He's left mm -hmm. leaning, but in terms of reactions to the, the COVID, restrictions and stuff i can't can't really think of too many people who, who are going to move to texas or other places you know gary from erotic just moved here that's right yeah welcome, gary yeah welcome gary that's exciting yeah. so uh well i i know several maybe those people are more likely to talk to me <laughs> because mm -hmm. of the nature of what i do and but i just i just yeah i i hope people move in. We are so tired of the people trying to change the state. And I'm, I'm tired of seeing people online on Twitter, there are people who are outside of the state who are trying to inf influence things here. And they have a right to do what they want. But it doesn't mean it's not disrespectful. Like I, when Beto was running, for example, I knew I still had a lot of friends from my old life on my social media accounts. And so when Bay was running, I saw all these comedians that I knew in in uh, Los Angeles and New York who were phone banking and donating money and doing all this stuff to get Beto elected here in in a state they don't live in. That really, that's yeah. really annoying. You have Facebook no right. Spending a lot I mean, of money on that. 
Right. You do it right, but it's very disrespectful. Yeah. 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 And all this stuff uh, happening in, in Canada. Um, yeah. My, my initial gut is like, oh, no, you know, the government has really gone way too far. But then I started thinking like, no, it's better for them to speed up their authoritarianism than it is to slowly creep it out to get people adjusted to it. And so I'm reminded of a saying that one of the um, radio hosts I used to listen to way back in the day, you always say, you know, the fastest way to bring down a dictatorship is to make them act like one. And so I tend to see what's happening and say, I think there is some hope. You know, I know a lot of people black pill, but I do think there is hope and, and getting through to, to a lot of blue pill than normally people by seeing governments kind of move their move ahead of scheduled on their authoritarian, their creeping authoritarianism. Oh, yeah. They do since, you know, there are a lot of resistance to this. And so, plus a lot of them, like we're talking about, are psychopaths and a lot of them just yeah. are getting upset that people are resisting them. And I think that's, um, it, gives, it creates opportunities for them to make a mistake and, and because they're so obsessed with power and they mm -hmm. have this kind of godlike view of themselves that, you know, any kind of resistance yes. to them just brings up more anger. And yeah. It's very easy for them to, to step out of, out of line in terms of what their long-term plan is. So. Yeah. I've, I know people are waking up. I just uh, was contacted by someone on Twitter uh, recently who had a thread and then I talked with her privately a little bit, but I'll share what she had publicly posted, which is that she's done with the left. She's done with blue States she was in Portland and she said she and her wife had a business and they, uh, she, she said, I was a part of this. I believed all this. I was, she said, I was a part of Antifa. She oh, said, wow. I, I donated food to Chaz chop. That's how embedded she was in the belief system. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, I did everything they were telling us to do. And I was a full, true believer and they destroyed her business. All of these policies, the government overreach. And so, Sometimes I think we that's sort of what it takes is it takes it personally affecting you. Yeah. You just stop back, step back and say, wait, is something wrong here? So they just moved to Texas. Mm. And she said, I will not be voting the way I voted in Portland. I was wow. like, well, welcome. I'll come stamp your passport. Success <laughs> <a> story. <laughs> yes, success, right? And so there's people who are waking up so recently. Mm -hmm. That woman was a part of Antifa who gave food to Chaz and Chop. That's recent, right? Yeah. Fully awake now. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. amazing? I, I'm, I'm seeing it too. And like a lot of my friends, you know, people I've known, have they're not like super far left, but they were people who were kind of blinded by their hatred of Trump and Republicans. But a lot of them who are, are waking up to the woke stuff and waking up to the, the, the COVID regime, all that stuff. You know, every time I have a conversation with them, you know, by talk about you know hey i say oh isn't it strange how when they did the lockdowns how amazon and walmart and walgreens and target and all these other big corporate interests were allowed to stay open and smaller yeah. businesses got shut down and every time i say that, they're like yeah yeah that's right <laughs> i'm like yeah really you hate corporations remember i'm trying to remind you who you are you hate yeah. corporations look at these corporations running government so did you say that's right or that's white no, uh, 
That's all white. No, I said right, but yeah. <laughs> but it makes sense. It's also white. <laughs> <laughs> Has uh, that show come out yet? The uh, that white show was that one. Everything's gonna be all white. Yeah. Oh Does that come gosh. Out I don't know if it's out it? yet, but did you see the trailer? Do you want to talk? I've talked about it on Chrissy Mayer show. I don't oh, yeah, think I yeah, talked yeah. about it anywhere else, but uh, maybe maybe we oh yeah maybe we did discuss it on on a coffee break. But yeah, that show is so it's so that to me is actually kind of positive because I think mm -hmm. that show is doubling down. It's so mm -hmm. over the top. Though. Yeah. Like you said, yeah, like you said, doubling down. It's like when they sense that stuff isn't catching on, they just double down. And it just they just keep going more and more crazy and just escalating things. And I think it is kind of waking up a lot of people going, yeah. wait a minute. It's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. Um, let's just, let's stay on for a little bit and just do absolute 100% frivolity. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys in chat think? Are they like, okay. Uh, somebody says RK Outpost is ripping that show to pieces. Steven says that. Uh, that's great. Uh, I love him. Uh, he should rip it to pieces. Uh, so uh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, do you think, like, all the, say, all the black people that were in that trailer for that show, do you think all of them, I think all of them are grifters. Like, I don't think any of them legitimately think that there is that amount of racism, like, that they, they're saying. Because I, I, I just, I can't imagine that someone legitimately think that, but they think that other people are stupid enough to believe that. And so that's why they're saying it because they know what the culture is and they know that's a way they can manipulate people into giving them resources and professional um, accolades and other things like that. I have a, actually, I have a, I don't know if I agree with you. I think it's more complicated than that. I think there's, yes, there's absolutely grifters who go on shows like that, con artists. When I say grifter, I mean con artists. I mean a snake oil salesman. I mean somebody who is speaking words that they don't actually believe in order to gain fame or money or power. That's a con artist to me. And I don't care if they're speaking Christianity or they're speaking anti-woke or they're speaking woke, but if they're doing it and they're not sincere, mm -hmm. that's a grifter. They're doing it to get money. That's a grifter. And so do I think some of those people are woke grifters? Yes. Yes, they're using woke to gain fame, power, money. Yes, con artists. But I also think there are people and in people in that show probably who I wouldn't call them grifters. I would say maybe, maybe I'd break it into three groups. The ones with bad intent who are con artists or grifters. The ones who are sincere believers. There are some who are sincere believers. I've known sincere believers. I was a sincere believer. People who really believe that this is that social justice is the way to correct the wrongs of the past, and it, and much like a cult, they get in it far. It, it doesn't. It's it's by it's by grades. You don't get into the whole thing at once. So we look at it. And we say, but how could somebody believe all that? Well, it's, it happens by degrees. What are you going to say? But can can I ask you like when yeah. you were in social justice cult? Did you ever have any real real fear of speaking out, speaking, you know, your social justice beliefs out? Like, did you actually, yes. like, if you're, you're talking about patriarchy, do you think, like, you're in danger that men were going to, like, find you and do something bad because you're oh, speaking no. about the patriarchy? No, 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 no. I didn't think I was going to get attacked for speaking of the patriarchy, but I definitely thought 
I couldn't because remember I was in social justice before it became mainstream. So it was mm-hmm. an it was not the norm then. And so there were certain contexts like in the entertainment industry where I was afraid that if I spoke social social justice, I might be blackballed or what, what have you in a meeting or, or in a group of entertainment people. But I wasn't afraid of my for my safety. No, never. Not like you are as a wrong thinker, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but because I, I I just I don't understand how like blacks in particular could legitimately think that we live in a white supremacist society when most of us work for white people. Most of us who are getting on computers are getting on computers designed by white people, getting on the internet that was created and built by white people. We're getting onto websites like Facebook and YouTube and all these other ones that are created and owned by white people. We're bad-mathing white people, but we know that there's going to be no real repercussions for the things we say. I could say so many terrible things about white people on Facebook or these other platforms. And, and there's no repercussions. I have no really fear of any repercussions coming towards me. And that's why part of me thinks like these people have to know on some deeper level, they have to know that what they're saying is BS. And they just Maybe. They know what the environment is. They know that they can manipulate other people with it. Maybe they know that now. It's hard for me to say because things have progressed to such a degree. Like I'm not asleep anymore. So I am somewhat shocked that there could be any true believers who are still in it. Uh, maybe we've passed the point at which you can be in it and be a true believer because things have gotten so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's gotten so crazy. Yeah. yeah. Especially with like all the compilations of SJWs going crazy and howling at the moon, literally howling at the moon. Like yeah. you would think people would see that and go, wait a minute. Am I? Cause like your story is kind of similar to that. When you saw people beating up trucks, yeah. it makes you kind of look inward and go to yeah. it. Do I share those same beliefs? Do I have that within myself to do that? Like, that's what I like. I think, you know, maybe a lot of people who are left are the true grifters and the ones who the grifters and then are mentally. Yeah. People who are mentally ill. <laughs> yes. Grifters and mentally ill people. Grifters, uh, mentally people ill. And then, and then also there was this third group I was going to mention who I don't consider them grifters and I don't consider them true believers. They're more of just like go with the flow sheep. Mm-hmm. That group of people is maybe the largest group in any kind of movement or belief system, I think. Right. But they just go with whatever is popular in their social circle, which I think is maybe human nature. So I don't know. I think it's sort of maybe that's just what happens. But mm-hmm. there's a large group of people in there who if you look at woke and how it's spread in the entertainment industry, I've talked about this before, but in the in specifically in the little tiny niche of the comedy world that I was in, it was unusual I was out selling a show. I was pitching shows with W. Kamel Bell that were called um, Indie Gracism in about an hour. And it was so different than what other comedians were doing. I loved it. It was fully woke. I was like, okay, I definitely want to work with you, you know? And he's, I do, he's funny, even though he's pushing woke. I still, I think he's, he's very funny. He's very talented. But that was unusual trying to sell that. And then, and then it went big, it went mainstream. And, and that happened before George Floyd, before Trump. We, I talk about there's an acceleration point that happened with George Floyd. There, if you back it up, there's one that happened with Trump. But if you back it up a little bit further, it had already started uh, permeating the mainstream with shows like ours. So we got a show on FX called Totally Biased with W. Kamau Bell. And that was that was maybe the first explicitly social justice comedy show. 
And I don't know if they fully knew what they were doing. They just knew that we had Chris Rock attached as the producer. And so they said, yes. But then when we got in that room, we hired a bunch of social justice, young woke comics mm -hmm. to be the writing staff, not just liberals, but woke left. And there was a lot of headbutting behind the scenes because Chris Rock and one of the other executive producers were not woke. And then the host and me and a bunch of the writers were woke. And so there was a bunch of this and we made it a woke show. And there, then after that, we, it was kind of at the beginning of something catching on because the ideology had was also seeping into all the journalism at that time. I had friends who were uh, writing for mainstream legacy media publications who were slipping in the woke. They had come from feminist blogs. And so they started slipping in the woke and it was becoming more mainstream. And so what happened then, uh, long story short, I'm, I'm falling down. I sometimes I'll lose track if I go down tomorrow. But what happened is that once it became mainstream, whatever the course of events were, once it became mainstream, then that whole ecosystem changed. So all the comedians who had never done woke started doing woke pretty soon after mm -hmm. to get shows because that became what's popular. And now I think, I think really, do you think that's true that maybe the majority of people in any belief system are just, are just followers? It's, it's not that they're grifters and it's not that they're true believers. I'm saying for this particular belief system, I tend to, the more I think about it, the more I tend to lean to it at this point, they, these people have to know that they're, like I said, there's no real repercussions for what they, they, they're saying they, it's, I, 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 like I said, I think it's obvious that it has to be that way because it doesn't make any sense. Why would you say all the things you're saying? Like why as a black man, if I was like pro-black, you know, saying racist things for white people, why would I say all these horrible things if I truly believe that these racist white people are killing black men at a disproportionate rate, that there are racist cops going around? See, and that's another thing. Like look how many videos online of black people get pulled over by cops, talk back to the cops, like try to charge them and do all these other things. Like it shows you that so many of these black people are not actually afraid of the police. A lot of them are just, and maybe some of them are mentally ill, but, but a lot of them just, they're, they're not afraid. And like I said, I think deep down, no, they, they're not afraid. so many of us, and just, we know that we're not in, in danger. We know this isn't, you know, 1950 Alabama, <laughs> that yeah. we're going to be hauled over our house and lynched. And, and we, we know that. Yeah. I think, I think you're, you're definitely right about the whole thing about being afraid of that's BS that in the past. True. Yes. Today. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more that, I mean, the cops are afraid of even mm -hmm. doing their job yes. properly because they're afraid something they'll get charged, you know, like, it's like and, that's, and that's the, kind of like what I was saying earlier uh, with the, the implicit bias stuff, like all the, the effect of this hypersensitivity to police brutality and, actually identifying incidences of non-police brutality when it's actually justified, it's going to cause a lot of police to either not respond to events that ordinarily they would, or if they actually do respond, that maybe a cop will think twice about pulling their gun and they'll end up getting shot and, and die from their injuries because they, they thought like, oh, I don't want to, if, if I shoot this person, like even if it's justified, the media is going to jump on them and all of them make assume that it's murder and that the, the motivating factor was racism. And that, that split second, just that the you know, hesitation is going to get you yeah. know, a lot of police you know, killed, unfortunately. Killed, yeah. 
it's also keeping them out of neighborhoods that they should be there mm-hmm. protecting and they're not protecting the people they're supposed to be serving because they're afraid to even go into those communities and do their jobs lest something mm-hmm. bad happens. So was it who wrote the book? Uh, Heather McDonald wrote that book about the, uh, what did she call it? Like after Michael Brown, the Ferguson effect mm. where you, where you saw a reduced police presence in neighborhoods and more crime because they're afraid of, of, of doing what their, their job requires them to do. Speaking of Heather McDonald, uh, I once watched a video of hers where she was talking about crime statistics and it was hidden by not just one, but two of those age verifications or, it was one it was like you have to be over 18 or something to to view it and then the other one was like what? some people in this community think this is since or inappropriate material so you have to do the double sign in which i've only seen like on one other video and i watched the entire video she said nothing racist she said no curse words there's no nudity or violence or anything and so as a test i go you know what i'm gonna go look up WAP by cardi b no information. <laughs> no. What? People in this community think that this content is inappropriate for some users. No. None of that. That's fine. Yep. That's totally fine. And I looked at all the other, you know, hip hop stuff and the drill rap and just all the dark nihilistic violence stuff, which, you know, maybe we'll talk about on a future episode of pop culture. But it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. We should, yeah, we should definitely talk about that. I've heard some of your thoughts about that before. I'd love to have that conversation mm-hmm. on the show. I want to address a comment Let's that I think is frivolity. <laughs> uh, this isn't frivolous, though. We were even being, <laughs> yeah, we so... weren't even being frivolous. <laughs> uh, there's a comment I think is interesting. I'm not picking on you, theocrat of Pantang. I just want to disagree with you, which is okay. We can disagree, but theocrat says, "Stop delineating liberal and woke. They're all the same now." I disagree, and the reason why I think it's important to separate those two is because they don't. They want to change the definition of words, and they've done it with lots of words. They've done it with liberal, authoritarian, man, woman, gender, sex. They've done it with harm. I mean, you can rattle off some more, Chris, I'm sure, but they're constantly changing changing the meaning of words, fascist. And so I'm not going to let them change the word liberal. That's part of the problem. That's why people fall into woke is because they think it's just liberal. It's not liberal at all. It's illiberal. And we have to draw that line in the sand and say, no, this is an illiberal belief system and you don't get to inaccurately use a word like that. That's, I think we have to make that distinction because you're not gonna pull people out of it if they think it's just liberal. There are people who are in woke who believe that it's, who believe the lies. I believe the lies the way it sold itself as being liberal. And once I started to see it was illiberal, that helped wake me up. So there are also people who they make being a liberal, such a big part of their identity that to ask them to shed that identity is too scary for them at the beginning of a transformation. It's too scary. And, and what I'm here to say is you don't have to shed that part of your identity. You are still a liberal. You're just not woke. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I was saying earlier with uh, about the systemic racism and CRT, a lot of the stuff that the far left talks about has some kernels, uh, kernels of truth in it. Mm-hmm. It's just that they take it to crazy land. But the, the fact that it has some truth in it is how it's able to, that's how, 
how it's been enabled to grow so large as it is because there's been some truth just like you know statistical racism did exist and you could argue it exists now I, I don't know about now but in the past undoubtedly existed when you have signs that say whites only and clearly that has had an effect on us blacks but there's so many other factors that it's impossible to know where blacks would be absent systemic racism and slavery yeah so like i said i i don't want to immediately discount some of kind of the liberal you know positions because there are some truths in there but yes. you know I think far left has kind of taken some of those and just grown them to, to crazy land. Yeah, I agree. And and also just to clarify, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with being conservative at either. I'm just saying there are people who the idea of thinking, well, if I'm not woke, I must be a conservative. That's a bridge too far for them. <laughs> you have to let them still be, keep their liberal identity. You have to, some of them, they can't make that jump, you know? And that's okay. I don't have a problem with liberals or conservatives or centrists. I just have a problem with woke. You know, <laughs> we all have so much more in common with each other, liberals and conservatives and centrists. We have so much more in common with each other than we do with woke. And I, 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 anyway, I think I've, I think I've made that clear what I think. So, um, okay. Anything else or should we wrap it up? Did you have any final Oh, somebody says talk Lord of the Rings. Do you have anything to say about Lord of the Rings? Uh, oh, the Lord of the Rings. Oh, I don't know much more I can add to it. I mean, uh, I'm not, I've never actually read Lord of the Rings, the, the novel, but I, I love the movies. And so I'm not as familiar with some of the characters, but, you know, I, I have listened to a lot of discussions about where they're taking it and uh, what uh, Tolkien's intent was and particularly when it comes to the races of that and seeing the debate people have had, it's been pretty interesting, but um, I don't have a lot to add to, to that because Laura Rings was, even though I like the movie, it was never quite my thing. Uh, Star Trek was sci-fi. Was that was more, was oh, we're going to do some space. Star Trek episodes, aren't we? Oh so, yeah, I'm going to make you watch some. <laughs> so put this picture yeah. up on screen, Cole. I just sent you an image. Let's put this up if you can. I don't know if that's easy. Um, he also said, is there any way that Mystery Chris can turn his microphone up? But we're at the end of the show now, so <laughs> I just saw that. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, what I I have a friend who they're really into the Lord of the Rings, he and his wife, and they also are really into Ren Fair, and they're super cool. They make their own outfits, and it's like one of those families where they go to all the Fair and they do leather work and they do they just really get into this sort of renaissance culture and he has a lot maybe we could have him on an episode of pop, pop culture because he has a lot of things to say about the new lord of the rings and yeah just yeah, yeah not being but i think it's refreshing to see uh how many people are kind of calling out and you know there's been some criticisms of um people who talk about you know the woke and entertainment people are like oh you're you're prejudging it you don't know stuff and Listen, I, I, I get that, but in the context of what we're living in, this cultural context, and seeing the statements that people involved with this show and other shows have made, and seeing the clips or, or trailers of it, I don't think it's crazy at all to draw that conclusion that it is woken. Because I, I always want to be someone who approaches things, you know, tries to approach things in an objective, fair way. 
I don't want to go automatically assume something's woke stuff. Because, you know, people thought that the new Dune movie, some people thought that was going to be woke because they, they changed the uh, race of some of the characters and stuff, and it turned out not to be woke. Some people still yeah. think it's woke. I don't think it is. But, but yeah, I don't want to be reactionary in that sense because then you end up just being what, you know, the the anti-SJWs are just SJWs are when they criticize yeah. those who of us who criticize you know sjw stuff in, in tv and, and film these days and so but with Lord of the rings i mean it walks like a duck yes yeah i i think it's pretty safe to to come to that conclusion about this one but hey if i'm wrong if other people are wrong i'll be happy but i, I doubt it i um i have a final i forgot i did have a final frivolous story i can tell you really quickly this is an update so you know, you know the coffee shop, not the one here, but the other one I used to go to where they required the mask mm -hmm. and I would go in with different hats yes. on. Okay. And so I would wear the bent, I would wear the mask, and then as soon as he get because the coffee was so good and it was on my route to work. And when <laughs> whenever they he would give me the coffee, then I would take the mask off and he's like, Wait, man, put your mask back on. And I was like, No, I'm not a part of your religion, you know, and then I would take the coffee and leave and and the that the second time it happened, you know, I took it off and he's like, it's you. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you're not welcome back. I'm like, you can't stop me. Apparently you don't recognize me. Right. Plus I was like at the door, <laughs> at the door, I was like, remember I tipped you every time and your coffee's that good. So anyway, when I told that story before people were saying, oh, you're going to have to eventually get a wig or something to disguise yourself. Cause now he's caught on. After like the third time, it's like, oh, she wears different hats and fancy boots and I didn't think I know. And so uh, I didn't go back there for a long time. And I just drove by there on my way to work the other day and it, they don't have the mask requirement anymore. And so I went in and first of all, there's a new employee there who is gender nonconforming. And, and he, I don't know what their pronouns are, but he was like, oh, I love your outfit. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I love your hair. And we were talking and he came over and was just complimenting. You know, he liked me. I could tell he liked me. And I liked his style, whatever. And we're talking and then, and he's wearing a mask, by the way. And then, then there's my regular dude, the one who always required me to wear the mask, my, the coffee nemesis. And so I order my coffee. I, he kind of does me a double take, but he doesn't recognize me. And he hands me the coffee and I'm paying for it. And the other guy's still talking me up, you know? And then I say to him, I was like, do you remember me? And he says, he says, no, I don't think. And I was like, I'm the one that used to come in and you'd give me the coffee and I'd take my mask off. He was like, <laughs> he's like, it's you. And I, I was like, I was like, I just want you to remember. Cause we were all having a friendly chat. Right. And by the way, the genderqueer guy's like, like he's just like watching this. I, I was like, I just want you to know. I pointed at him. I was like, I don't have a problem with mask. I just had a problem with the mandates. And he's like stammering. He's like, oh, our, our owners were very strict. And I, I, and I was like, I, I don't have a problem. I just wanted you to know the reason I kept coming in is because your coffee's so good. And I did always tip you. And I really like your coffee. And I just hope you let your owners know I didn't like the mandates. And it's very nice to see your face. And then I left. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? I told Anthony, he was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you went in there. So I was like, of course. I want to say, yeah. I want to, I want to meet him as a human now, right? Now that he doesn't have his mask on. It was nice. And he said, and I, I said, you know, we've all been through a couple of traumatic years. 
my name is Carrie. Nice to meet you. <laughs> it's the start of a beautiful friendship. The start of a beautiful friendship. But don't you like miss like going in there with the mask? It was almost like a Dukes of Hazard episode or something. Like go in, grab a coffee, jump in the yeah. Gym. <laughs> it was kind of it was like a want. funny thing. That's why actually the the genderqueer guy who was wearing his mask, he was laughing. He was like, "Oh my gosh, I love this." <laughs> <laughs> I'm converting people slowly in my own way. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Up on the screen, we'll close with this bit of frivolity. If I did have to go back in there with the mask, which I don't now, this is the costume I would have worn. And <laughs> I don't know. Can you see that, Mr. Chris? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it's a Hagrid. I think it's a, like a, a Lord of the Rings. Dwarf from, uh, yeah, yeah, you look like a dwarf from yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Somebody says I may have been pettier. Yeah, I wasn't trying to be petty. I was I was truly being like, hello, nice to meet you. I was the I was the copy bandit. <laughs> but he seemed generally cool. Like, do you expect him to, to still give you any attitude or anything? Or no, I think he'll be cool because I did I think next time I go in, I'll be like, Hello there, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back for your delicious coffee. Good to see your face again. What if you just came in, but you just wore a mask every time? You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, okay, you can take that off the screen. Thank you, Cole. So thank you guys for joining us. This has been a test episode of a temporary name we just came up with, Stuff and Things. And uh, I, I just appreciate you guys joining. This channel is new. If you want to support the channel, you can go to our subscribe star if you want to support financially. Otherwise, you can just like and share. And uh, if you have any comments or suggestions about things you'd like to see, you can drop those in the chat. You can also find us. We have a locals community now. We have, uh, I don't know, we have all the things. We're trying to do all the things. And you can find us in those places. So thank you for joining. Thank you, yeah, Mr. Chris. You. I didn't mess up your name thank once. You, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Cool. Thank you, Miguel. Have a good night. And we're out. Okay. <laughs> See I don't know how to end. The oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>